Will Nitsy on the Riderflex podcast. Hello, Will. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. So you're uh, staying in near Boston. Are you going to stay in Mass for Thanksgiving? I guess and we're recording this, by the way, for the listeners on the 23rd of November. You're going to hang out uh, fairly close. Hanging out very close, about about 40 minutes south of Boston. Okay. Is that is that where your folks live? Are you going to your parents or uncles or what, what's the story? It's an interesting one. I'm going to my wife's mother's boyfriend's house. <laughs> yeah. All right. All which right. will be a first, which will be a first for me. And then his kids are going and his kids are adults and have uh, spouses. And yeah, it'll be, um, <laughs> I, I will be the X factor at the gathering, which will oh be an God. interesting one. Too bad you can't have like a little secret camera following you around so you could do a little YouTube clip of it later because it should yeah, be. Yeah, maybe I'll strap a GoPro <laughs> to my forehead. <laughs> have you met him before? I have. Oh, okay. Have. So, so, all right. All right. Well, it's not, yeah, no, it'll be, it'll be good. <laughs> I just put out a post on social media about family dynamics. You know, uh, it, it, for me, as I've gotten older, I've just learned. It's a very short period, a day or two, or maybe two, three days, whatever, or maybe just one dinner. And you, I just have learned to just be patient and just, just breathe and just be like, okay, you know, I'm not going to change anybody here. So let's just uh, get through dinner and <laughs> be, <laughs> be patient and try to love on people. Uh, you know, I, I've gotten better at it. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. It's like hilarious how much of a trope that's become of like Thanksgiving, like the wacky, you know, you get, don't get into politics. Yeah. You're always going to have a wacky uncle or aunt. Uh, it's that's like a total caricature of the, the, the standard Thanksgiving meal. Um, it's funny how it got there versus just like a fun gathering. Right. Isn't it? That's interesting. You're right. You're right. Now, I will say, if I've snuck a couple of eggnogs and bourbons or something on the side without my mom seeing, and I get a little restless, I'll I'll light a stick of dynamite and throw it in the middle of the pile like a topic. Oh, I'll, yeah. No, I'll, 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 I'm I'll that throw guy, out. too. <laughs> I'll throw something in there and just kind I of... I actually love that. I love that. I, like, enjoy <laughs> that. I think it's funny. Like, you know, <laughs> spirited too. conversation. That's another whole dynamic, like... For me, when the conversation gets spirited, even if it gets slightly heated, I think that's like hilarious and entertaining <laughs> and other people don't. So yeah, like, you got to know, you got to know your audience. You got to know your audience. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. Totally agree. I'll probably do that this afternoon and tomorrow a little bit. Uh, but uh, so what, so you grew up in mass. Give me a little family history. If you don't mind mom, dad, siblings, give me some, some history. I grew up in Northern New Jersey, a town called Morristown. Uh, I went to high school in Western Mass. Uh, oh, so two brothers, two older brothers. Uh, and yeah, I went to high school in Western Mass. Then I went to uh, college in Boston, went to Harvard, undergrad. Uh, actually, between high school and college, I lived in Cape Town, South Africa for a year in 2010, oh, cool. which was nice wild experience. And Great. uh yeah. Very World good. Cup's happening right now. I was there in, in uh, Cape Town when the World Cup was in South Africa. So that was a pretty epic experience. Awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, lived on my own. Uh, well, I lived with a buddy, but we were living on our own uh, yeah. in 
Cape Town for a year. So that was wild. Um, yeah, I went to college. Let me ask uh, real quick before you get past college. Tell me about mom and dad really, really quick. Uh, what what they do? Are they still alive? Or what what's the story? Yep, still kicking. They live in West Seattle, Washington. Uh, my dad works in actually both of them. They work together. Didn't always work together, but as of five years ago or something like that, they've been working together in uh, real estate development. So take like repurposing buildings in seattle um okay and developing developing buildings and selling buildings um okay all right so what yeah, your dad is that what you is that is that what your dad did for a living when you were growing up really no he kind of horizontally pivoted into that um which is a common thing as it seems in real estate um but yeah he he's an engineer by training and he worked okay. in he's worked in a whole he worked at Honeywell and then a number of other he's kind of bounced around he worked for like a defense contractor and okay. then he went into biotech he was working at a company called Martech that um made vegan omega-3s who would harvest vats of algae and then squeeze the oil out of the algae and that uh is super rich in omega-3s basically oh, like oh, the vegan oh. alternative to fish oil Okay. Um, okay. so he did that for a while and then that company got bought and then he transitioned to real estate. So he's, he's been all over the map. And then my mom worked in, uh, social entrepreneurship. Um, okay. basically she spent most of her career in social entrepreneurship. So like funding, um, people solving social challenges. And you're, and you and your brothers, were you, uh, were you the rebel? Were you, which was there, were all three of you straight A students, Harvard, Harvard kids, or, or was there any rebels in there? Give me, give me the makeup of the, of you and the brothers with, uh, oh, did I freeze a little bit? My internet, a little frozen. There. No, no. Oh yeah. All good. Okay. Yeah. Give me the makeup of you and the brothers, personality styles. Uh, give me a little, uh, flavor there. Very different, very different personalities. Um, my oldest brother, Max, is he's like a he has like an acerbic, dry wit to him. Very, both my older brothers are very smart. He's he's just a really like witty, slightly cynical dude. Uh, <laughs> very funny. Everyone loves being around him. Loves hunting, fishing, um, and lives in Montana, lives in Bozeman, Montana. So he's always oh. been way into like outdoors, okay. outdoorsy stuff. All right. Um, and then my middle brother is like the wild card, Jamie. He's, uh, he lives in New Orleans. He's always cooking up crazy business ideas. So actually both of them went to Harvard. My oldest brother, uh, transferred to Montana state cause he just wanted to live in Montana and um wow harvard wasn't his his thing and then jamie also went to harvard um and then yeah he's wow. an entrepreneur himself and three boys in harvard three boys man. three boys to harvard i mean kudos to your parents uh, that's i mean that's a major accomplishment to to send all three boys to harvard wow uh hats off to mom and dad were they harvard grads uh themselves were they alumni <laughs> yeah the funny thing is they both went to harvard too <laughs> Wow. Your yeah. mom and dad went to Harvard and all three boys to Harvard. Yeah. Holy cow. Wow. All right. Yeah. Hats off to the family. Congrats. Uh, <laughs> did, you know, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. 
Um, okay. So, and uh, you're married now, kids, anything? You said you're married, married recently. I was married, uh, coming up on a year ago. I was married New Year's Eve last year. Okay. No, no kids. kids. Yet? No kids. All right. How'd you meet your wife? Met her at a frat party in college. Uh, all right. Well, were you a senior? Were you a junior? Give me some. I want some details. I was a junior. I was a junior. It's called the pink party. Everyone dresses up in pink clothing. Okay. And, and uh, uh, all right. Well, you say, was she, was she like, like in a pink bunny outfit or something across the room or, or what? <laughs> I can't. I honestly don't remember. But uh, yeah, met there and then um, didn't talk. That was junior year. And then we didn't talk to each other. Kind of like ghosted each other i i would argue she ghosted me uh for the whole summer and then i ran into her again at a bar in alston uh, massachusetts and okay. uh and you know rekindled things and the rest is history uh, all right cool what's she do does she help you with the company or yeah she, she runs her e-commerce business Oh, okay. All right. Very good. So you guys are in the business together. Okay. Very cool. So yeah. going to, when you were in Harvard, did you, did you know, like, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to start my own company. I mean, was that always in the back of your mind or, you know, cause you, I th look at you major in government and psychology and psychology. So I didn't know if you were, what, what was your plan? <laughs> yeah, I, d I didn't have one. Uh, I didn't like most of the things I studied in college. Gov is a good discipline because it allows you to study a ton of different stuff. And that's how I found psychology and neuroscience. Um, and I took as many courses in those disciplines as I possibly could and minored in it. And that was, those were the only courses I really, really enjoyed um, for whatever reason. Okay. And uh, I think because there were really good professors in, in those fields. So I just became obsessed with that. Uh, really psychology was like the first love, like just why people act the way they do, do the things they do. People are weird, quirky creatures. They and they I are. All of them just are. loved, loved delving deeper and deeper into that, that rabbit hole. Uh, but I didn't know what I was going to do, do with that professionally. I, I also was really into business and startups and entrepreneurship. Just like was, I, I found it cool. Like, Startups weren't always cool. They became really cool when I was in high school and college. Okay. And, you know, with Facebook and, and Instagram right. and, yeah, yeah. but mostly in the tech side, like it was, I don't know, there was just so much venture money flowing in into the ecosystem and so much excitement around startups and startups became a viable career path. Um, and so I, I was just super fascinated with that. And, and I think I, you know, I always did want to, do my own thing at some point be entrepreneurial in some way, but I didn't, I just didn't know how. And, um, okay. So yeah, I didn't know how to square those two things. I was really into psychology and neuroscience. I was really into entrepreneurship, but, but then, but then your first job was sales and marketing. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so yeah. So <laughs> that there's like the career website for Harvard is like, you can, like check a bunch of stuff and there's a bunch of jobs where you can just blast out your resume. Like you okay. don't need a cover letter or anything like that. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I didn't want to do consulting or you know, banking or things like that, that a lot of my classmates are doing. So I just blasted it out to a bunch of different stuff and 
uh, several of them got back to me and this was one of them. And I went in and had an interview and I was actually really intrigued by, so it was a company selling operations and supply chain software to oil and gas and energy and utility companies, so energy companies okay. of all types. Okay. And at the time, oil was like a hundred, over a hundred dollars a barrel. Mm -hmm. This was like 2014. Um, U.S. had just achieved energy independence. Like that, there's, there's this um, whole excitement around um, energy. And then SaaS, software as a service, had exploded mm -hmm. with uh, mm -hmm. Salesforce and a couple right. other. That's right. Yeah. Uh, sort of poster boys of, of the SaaS explosion. Mm -hmm. And so this company kind of sat at the intersection of those two okay. massive macro trends. And uh, yeah, I was like, you know, I don't, I don't know what else I want to do. Like this seems kind of cool. I'll, <laughs> let's I'll do try it. this. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. All right. Power Advocate, was that the company? Yeah, Power Advocate. And then it got bought by a, a much bigger company called Verisk. Okay. So you're there. You did well. Looks like you even got promoted at some point. And then what? In 20... Somewhere around fall of 2017, you're, you, when did you start coming up with the idea for IQ Bar? Talk to me about the transition in your in your mind and 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 how that kind of came about. If you don't, if you don't mind. Sure. I mean, I so I, I yeah, I did get promoted, and I was I think pretty good at my job. I but not passionate, or I didn't want to do this line of work for the next 30, 40 years. And yeah. I knew that a year in, maybe probably even six months in. Um, so, you know, I started tinkering around with, with some ideas at that time. I also got really into nutrition because I personally felt not great physically. And I pretty quickly learned that was due to my not great diet. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I had a standard American diet like everyone else that grew up eating Fruity Pebbles and race, you know, race crispy. Hey, I was like a pretty, I, I was a fruity pebbles kid too. Oh yeah. No, I would, I would get like the metal mixing bowl and like fill up like three quarters of a box. And like, that was my Sunday. Yeah. Just watch cartoons. But, yeah. um, Oh, that's good. So the paleo is becoming a huge, like the whole foods movement more broadly was getting much bigger. People were becoming more health conscious. Whole 30 was kind of blowing up as a diet. And so I just started paying attention to nutrition more and more. And um, I got really interested in nutrition as it relates to the brain. So that the intersection of nu nutrition and cognition, so to right. speak. And um, just got really fascinated by that. And there's a book I read called Grain Brain, which really kick you know really caused light bulbs to start going off in my head it was it basically the basic idea is just was just that like what you eat impacts how you think today and also impacts what happens to your brain over 30 40 50 60 mm. years mm. um and i was i thought that was so crazy that more people weren't thinking about this mm. and uh and then that kind of, i also read another book at the time called mission in a bottle by the guys who started honest tea uh, Seth Goldman and Barry Nelboff, and and that got me fascinated with consumer goods, specifically food and bev consumer goods. Okay. okay. And I, there's so many. So there's like not that passionate about the job. Read this yep. book that changed, like, was mind blowing on like yep. the like 
nutrition, cognition, intersection, read this other book that was mind blowing and like, wow, consumer mm-hmm. goods is a really cool thing to do. And like all of that combined. Yep. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I want to start a brain food company, I think. So and brain food, yeah. Okay. So and, brain and food company, it was brain food company. I can see how all of that came together. I, I see it. Yep. For all the way from your degree and all of it. Yep. I, I see all of that. Great. Okay. So brain food company was, then you're like, okay, I want to start a brain food company. Okay. But then you said bars and then somehow you went to bars and I'm like, and when I first saw it, when I first saw IQ bar, I thought, damn, that is a competitive space. Like he picked a super hard space to get it. Or at least like, that's my, uh, I guess, commoner, uh, ignorant uh, view of it is that it's a competitive space. I'm assuming is it is. Oh, it's super competitive. I, uh, my like perspective on that is like I run towards competitive <laughs> spaces because that's where all the money is. Like that's okay. where the yeah. Yeah. all the demand is. They're not they're not competitive by mistake. They're competitive because there's a ton of consumer demand there. Great point. Um, Great point. And so, so if given the choice of, do I want to? go where there all the like there's this huge amount of demand and out and out operate and out compete people and mm-hmm. my challenge is how mm-hmm. good of an operator am i and how mm-hmm. how can i differentiate within the field here mm-hmm. um but i but i know there's demand there versus well i could be wildly different and hope there's demand in this other area or try mm-hmm. to generate demand out of thin air and maybe there maybe there is maybe there isn't i'll always choose path a um yeah. never want to have to be in the position where i'm having to guess or guess where demand will be or try to manufacture demand and so I, that's good that's good that's good for the listeners good that's yeah. great tip for the listeners right there everybody thinks they got to invent something brand new right everybody thinks they gotta uh, you know put something out in the market and dangle it out there and see if there's demand or see if they can get bites but you took the starbucks approach right i guess well, i don't i'm trying to think of other examples yeah. but the starbucks coffee approach where you're just like hey I don't care if there's a million coffee shops. Boom, I'm going. <laughs> yeah, and 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 you can differentiate meaningfully. I mean, like bars, tick bars. It, there's so many subcategories that are huge. Mm. Like, for example, just like low sugar bars. That that's. So I, I don't. I don't even necessarily think about it in terms of well, bars are really competitive. It's like, well, yes, that's true. That would be kind of like saying drinks are competitive yeah um true but there's so many subcategories of drinks and bars so you you know you have a granola bar and then you have a protein bar and then you have a plant protein bar and then you have keto bars low sugar (laughs) bar so what's like and if you can find one of those sub segments that is large in and of itself well now it's not that competitive there's two three four players maybe and now you just have to out compete those those two three four players and and you can ascend to the top of that subcategory and then expand from there. So so for the listeners, eatiqbar.com. So it's IQ Bar is the company. Website is eatiqbar.com. Um, and Will Nitsi is also, of course, on LinkedIn there. I want to get all that out there and we'll mention it again towards the back end. But as it stands today, let's let's do a quick three-minute elevator pitch of the company as it stands today and then i'll go back and ask you a few questions kind of how you got there but give me the pitch for the listeners right now that may not have heard of iq bar 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, we are a brain and body nutrition company. So everything that's in our bars, we also have hydration mixes called IQ Mix. Everything in our product is there for a reason, for a functional reason, and is either promoting brain or and or body performance. Um, and is all and we've also excluded, very purposefully excluded anything that will detract from brain and or body performance. Um, such that, you know, you, you can consume our products guilt-free and, and, you know, win your, win your day without your, your food and beverage choices holding you back. So it's healthy for me. It's healthy for my gut, so to speak, and, and my brain. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it's all interrelated. So we basically, what, when we formulated the products, we looked at, okay, what, what's the, what are the compounds that have the most research suggesting they're good for your brain so like okay. omega-3s okay. vitamin e flavonoids medium chain triglycerides there's all these things and there's all this research that's good for your brain could be good because it promotes energy could be good because it helps you grow new neurons could be good because it helps you uh, maintain brain integrity and and brain structure over over time um and then the second question is, okay, what are the whole food ingredients that are richest in those compounds? So if it's vitamin E, well, turns out almonds are really rich in vitamin E um, or sunflower seeds or what have you. Um, you know, medium chain triglycerides, well, coconut is really high in that and yada, yada, yada. And then, okay, here's our basket of whole, whole food ingredients. Can I make a bar out of that? Um, or can I make a hydration mix out of that? Um, so that's the approach. It's it's not. It's very much not meant to be like a medicine or a nutraceutical. Or if you consume this, that will happen. Um, the goal is be brain healthy, brain and body healthy. So we actually started as a brain food company and then became a brain and body food company. The body piece being we're a protein bar now, um, mm -hmm. and the hydration piece is obviously you know relevant to using your body, exercising. Um, and you know, um, that really just widened our purview of our addressable market and we kept getting people, we basically, we started with the brain food piece and then listened to the market and adjusted mm -hmm. accordingly. So people mm -hmm. would be like, well, it'd be cool if there was 10 or 12 grams of protein. Great. Um, can we can we can we add that and have it be totally additive and not detract from the the brain nutrition piece? If yes, let's do it. Okay, it is yes. Boom. Um, so you know it's an iterative process, and you're always listening to the market and, and adjusting accordingly. Do do the bars? Um, I know they have different flavors, but do they? Are they also in groups? Uh, like this is paleo friendly. This is keto. This or is it? Are all the bars the same uh, in their approach of the contents, but they just taste different? Yeah, that that's right. The latter. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we're. I don't want to get into like, you know, we have a paleo line and then a keto line and then this and that. Yeah. Everything is that. the same. Okay. Uh, they're okay. different flavors. are just different. So okay. Like okay. Take one of our brain nutrients is flavonoids, which is the compound that's in colorful fruits and vegetables. That's um, good for your brain, anti-inflammatory, et cetera. Um, 
So what's really rich in flavonoids? Well, in the berry or fruit family, blueberries. So that's why people will say blueberries are really good for your brain. Um, in the bean family, uh, cacao, it, it beans, you know, the, the base of chocolate okay. uh, is super high in flavonoids. In the like leaf family, matcha tea, super high in flavonoids, right? So, and then we'll have flavors around those things. We have like a blueberry bar, and we have I a see. chocolate sea salt bar, and we have a matcha bar and yada, yada. So yeah. it's, we're delivering the same nutrition and the same compounds via different inputs that of course lend themselves to different flavor profiles. And how many, how many total SKUs right now for the company if you look at the hydration and the bars? Oh man, I mean, we have, we must have like 40 SKUs, but it's, it's all sort of like repackaging we have seven flavors of bars and four flavors of hydration stick packs, but then we'll have single flavor SKUs, we'll have variety pack SKUs. We'll I even see. have different, well, okay. like with the sticks, we have an eight stick variety pack and a 20 stick variety pack. So Okay. Okay. Very good. How big is the company today? I don't know if you want to share revenue. I know it's private, but how about people or give me, give me some general size of the company. Yeah, no, we're um, an eight figure a year sales company um six 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 people uh six people eight figures uh that's good (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, i mean our goal is like there's a good rule of thumb which is a lot of people use which is don't add an employee unless you can add a million dollars of revenue i I like it um so our (laughs) thinking is actually like double that so don't okay. don't an employee unless you can add two two million love it so love it love it um yeah very lean Ever. very low sgna and um and uh you can get the you can obviously order the bars right online um and then talk to us about or the bars or the hydration mix where else can the product be purchased uh we're in walmart uh right aid kroger sprouts wagman's um okay. you know if, if you go to our website we have a store locator um, how about amazon address anything on amazon yeah, yeah and then online amazon and our website um are both, okay both are you uh now you're a super smart guy obviously so I'm, I'm assuming you're careful not to let too much of your your distribution get caught into walmart so that walmart starts trying to control you or something right i've heard so many nightmare stories <laughs> uh, walmart's a phenomenal partner honestly um <laughs> It's just a, there's so, brick and mortar relationships can get really like convoluted and, and messy. And um, our experience has been really clean and good because it's okay. an EDLP, it's an everyday low price. So the price is the price. We're selling it to Walmart for price, they're selling it to the consumer. There's not like promos up and down. And, and we have a partner, you know, the really big thing to keep in, in mind with Walmart is you got to deliver on time and in full. Yep. Um, otherwise, <laughs> you're going to get dinged in, in a bad way. Um, so make sure you set up your infrastructure such that you do that and and you're in good shape. Um, if you don't, you're not in good shape. <laughs> uh, I've sat in the buyer offices at Bentonville a few times myself uh, and gotten a shit beat out of me by buyers for something that didn't get delivered properly in a former life. So, yeah, I know the I know the routine. <laughs> where yeah. do you where do you manufacture uh, the product? Where where is it made? Oh, we make it in the Midwest. 
Oh, okay. So everything's here in the U.S. You're not shipping it. Are you shipping ingredients from overseas or anything like that, or what? Or uh, we have we do work with some imported ingredients. Um, oh, okay. Like there's certain things that just aren't grown in the U.S. at scale. Okay. Okay. Um, but um, no, I'm over fifty percent of our ingredient. You know what's in every bar is grown in the U.S. Um, you, you, you got one co-packer that you're using just one or you got your own one for facility? bars and one for for okay. stick packs yep. okay all right you got any backup co-packers in case something goes wrong you got inventory in other places you got emergency plans or it's all right there we do um i mean we have really good stable co-packers um okay but yeah no i mean we we have redundancy okay. plans if if uh shit hits the fan so everything ship is everything housed. So you make it there, they house it there before they ship it to Walmart and Amazon, or does it go somewhere else? You have a distribution center somewhere else. We have a warehouse. Uh, we also have a third party redistributor um, that, that distributes into Walmart. Ah, great. Okay. And then Very good. we house All a right. ton of inventory at Amazon. Okay. So at any given point, we're housing it large amounts of inventory in three four or five places is it um perishable i'm assuming it is at some point yeah one year shelf life mm. and then um stick packs for two oh. years okay okay any problems with that at all any problems with tossing out a bunch or you're always moved through it i we have had that issue in the past um not 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 really this year I mean, we, you get better and better. You get better and better at demand planning. Uh, and, absolutely. Um, I mean, look, it's a year is a lot better than a lot of folks are operating off three months shelf life or whatever. You know, I, I, I don't know how those companies do it, but um, Bro, yeah, give you your shelf life, yeah. you should be able to, to demand yeah. plan pretty well. I used to be in uh, horticulture bedding plants, and that's why I mentioned the Walmart experience. We uh, I worked for a big, huge horticulture uh outfit that shipped bedding plants to Lowe's and Walmart and uh, talk about a short shelf life. And when the, when the plants got ready and in full bloom, like, you, you know, there was a very small window to get the plants to the garden center. And yeah, it was a fucking nightmare. <laughs> Just, uh, <laughs> well, there's certain things like I have a buddy who uh, is in the lettuce world and lettuce <sighs> is like, I think it's like 10 day shelf life or something like that. Um, or like 14 day shelf life. Ooh. You know what's the you know it's the lowest shelf life? Raspberries. Uh, oh, really? Interesting. Didn't know I think that. It has a six day shelf life. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, not a business I'd want to be in. No. Uh, yeah. How did you start um from a cash flow perspective? I don't know how much you want to share, but a lot of our listeners are aspiring entrepreneurs, people thinking about starting their own their own thing or they're early into it. And so I always get the questions around, you know, well, when they quit their job, how did they get the money? Did they raise cash? Did they bootstrap? Did they get, you know, what, what you know, can you give us a little history there on, on how you put it together financially? Sure. Yeah. I, I didn't really have any money to live off of. So I pulled a move that I'd heard. It's funny. I had two bosses. One of my bosses, told me about this move he had pulled at a prior job and then I pulled the same move. Basically, I went into my other boss's office, like the most senior boss, and I one day and I said, and and he kind of knew I wanted to do my own thing. Uh I said, look, you know, we we both know I want to do my own thing. 
that being said, we both know I'm, I'm competent in my job. Here's what I would propose. What if you cut my hours in half and cut my salary in half? Nice. Move. And would that work for you? Would you do that? And he's like, let me think about it. And a day later he said, yes, which was a huge hack because then it was cut in half based on a, you know, I was working, let's say 60, 65 hours a week, right. but it's cut in half. It's based on a 40 hour work week assumption. <laughs> and so I went from like 60, 65 hours to 20 hours and 20 hours is nothing. I mean, yeah. Easy. you can work a full-time job on top of that. No problem. And so that allowed me to survive. It was like half a salary was just enough where I could pay rent and like get groceries from Trader Joe's and like survive. And uh, and then in addition to that, I moved into my friend's parents' basement uh, for a year to cut, uh, wow. to cut living expenses. Wow. Yeah. All right. Um, so anyway, that's how I did it personally. And I was that's like, how that's how you paid your personal bills and ate ramen noodles and you were able to survive. Yeah. All right. Great move. So, love, so, that. So, love that tip. Love that. Tip. So, yeah. Um, and it was key that I didn't quit my job because you have a timeline. You're like, hey, I want to launch in three months or four months or five months or whatever. And it's never right. It's never yeah. right. It's no. always double that. And so <laughs> and so I, I, I didn't want to put myself on the clock. Like if I had just quit. And I was like, mm. cool, I have this amount of runway. I got to make it happen. You're not going to make it happen that time. So that's right. the beauty of the half time thing was I could, I, I, I did that for like a year. Um, so, so yeah, so that was how I did it. And then, and then yeah, how did you, I didn't fund, have money yeah. to start. Yeah. I didn't yeah. have money to start the business either. How did you do that? Yep. So I, kn I knew I wanted to raise a little startup cash somehow but the issue with consumer goods is it's all sales based and you know whereas in tech you can have a good team and a powerpoint deck and raise money at a <laughs> 10, 10 million dollar valuation you can't do that in consumer goods that's right so what do you do you need money to make product <sighs> but you need sales to raise that money at a valuation that doesn't mean you're selling 30 your company right on off of the uh, on the spot um, so you have that chicken or egg problem. So how do you, uh -huh. how do you solve that? Yeah. And so my answer to that question was crowdfunding. So we did Kickstarter okay. and then got in all these pre-orders, got the cash, used that cash to produce the first production run, then used all those, those were all sales. You book all those as sales. Uh -huh. so we had $90,000 of sales in our first two months. And then I said, Hey, look, and, and I had been talking to angel investors along okay. the way okay um telling them about the idea hey are you interested and rather than asking them for money i was like look i'm gonna i'll show you the market wants this idea of course i, I didn't know if that was correct but um but yeah then did the did the kickstarter and then i turned back around and i said hey we just sold ninety thousand dollars worth of product prorated that's this much a year you know here's a reasonable valuation. Are you in? And everyone was in. So nice. Raised, raised 600 ish grand from a series, a bunch of angel investors. And, um, that was it. We, were, we were off to the race. Uh, do you mind sharing how much the Kickstarter was? How much, how many, Oh, you said 90,000. Never mind. 90,000. 90, no, yeah, it was yeah, a two month campaign and we sold 75 on Kickstarter and then uh, 15 on Indiegogo. You can just like extend your, your campaign, mm. so. 
the 600k that you raised was it from a few angels was it what how many what that cap table look like right there was it are you talking about like 90 people are you talking about three or four people what are we talking about it was not that many people so i got i don't know luck is a weird phrase i i got linked up with this guy through a friend i was friends with this entrepreneur and i was just shooting the shit with him one day and i was telling him about the bars and it was again and there's gonna be a blueberry flavor one and he's like oh i know that I know the king of blueberries. I know, I know the blueberry king of America. I, my buddy Court. Okay. I was like, okay. He's like, yeah. You want me to introduce you to him? I was like, sure. Yes. Not even from like a fundraising standpoint, but just, just cause. And I, I thought maybe he could help me source blueberries. So I was like, all right, yeah, let, let's do it. And then I talked to Court, and, and we were just literally talking about blueberries for half an hour. And then at the end, he's like, hey, like, are you interested in uh, investors? Like, this is kind of an interesting product. Yes. Um, are you, and I was, well, at the time I was like, yes, probably not right now, but can I call you back? Uh, and this was months before the Kickstarter. Oh, okay. And then, and then, yeah, we did the Kickstarter as a success. I called court back and I was like, Hey, you know, still in. And he's like, he's like, absolutely. And, um, and he's like, not only am I in, I have a friend who's a super successful other guy who's also interested or also might nice. be interested. Would you do a nice. call with him? So I did nice. call them and nice. he was nice. also in. And then, I mean, those were pretty big checks. We got That's it. And then, and then Congrats. like once you get two, three, 400 grand, like getting the last couple hundred, like it's way easier. And I would then hit up, but none of it was really like maybe, 5% of it was friends and family. Almost none of it was friends and family. It was these like random. And of course, now I'm like best friends with these guys and cool. guy court sits on our board and, but That's yeah, cool, it was just through random like networking. How much money have you raised total so far? About four and a half million. Wow. Congratulations, man. Congrats. Uh, now four and a half million. I'm guessing so so you're not you're not individually I'm assuming you will you you don't have 51% anymore then of the you're 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 below you you're not in control of the cap table I'm guessing or are you No I'm I'm still above 50%. What? Yeah. <laughs> hold on. Wait a minute. Hold on. You tell me you've raised 4 million dollars in cash and you're still in control of the company total control of the cap table? Holy cow. <laughs> well, and the the reason why is we raise less more often okay so like we raised 600k and then a year later we raised a million I, and then a, I see. a year and a half later we raised 2.775 million but each time we were able to ratchet up the valuation so that we were it's like what's the minimum amount we could raise such that we get to the next tranche of revenue and without cool, will without that. without will giving up control yeah i mean the goal always has been like sell it when you lose control because or try to sell it yeah because then you know yeah. Yeah. uh you're an yeah. i mean technically you're an employee at that point um you, yeah. you could be fired yes. yada 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 so um it's true th th that was how i looked at it at least no i know um, it's true. i I, I totally agree and by the way i've had a lot of people on the podcast that 
you know, they'll give me the whole speech, you know, they'll be like, well, yeah, but my VC guys are so awesome and they love me and I'll, you know, I'll probably be the CEO forever. I mean, you know, meanwhile, now they're at 20% ownership, you know, and they're like, yeah, but it's a great relationship. And I'm, and I'm always thinking, okay, bro, like, look, here's the deal. If you're not in charge of 51%, you're an employee. And if they don't like you as CEO, they will fire you. Like, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I would rather have a smaller business and control it than a larger business. Amen, not, brother. And and, Amen. and that's not like a slam dunk. I mean, there are many, many, many cases where someone did own 20% and they'll have a bigger outcome. Sure. Than, let's say I would, it's sure. just for me, it's like, why are you getting into this thing? You know, for me, a big part is I want to control my my destiny. And totally. it's just a lot less fun if I can. Bro, I could not agree more. And I just want to pause for the listeners right there. It, it what we're talking about here is lifestyle really versus versus cash, right? You could, you could take 20% ownership and maybe you end up making a lot more money someday, but what lifestyle do you want and what control do you want for me personally, for RiderFlex, our recruiting firm, you know, I will never give up more than 51% unless the payout is gigantic, right? Like, like, no, like I want to be able to, I want to be able to be in control of deciding what my schedule is for the day. <laughs> if I ever, if I ever have to call another boss and ask him if I can go to the mountains and go camping on Friday and ask permission, like, no, I'm never living like that again. I'm going to go whenever I want. <laughs> totally. I'm, I, that's the really bizarre and interesting and nuanced piece of entrepreneurship is like, when you are your own boss, you are, it like you technically you could, I could wake up and do nothing. I could just like yeah. not answer to any, any email. <laughs> There's no repercussions, right? It's your yeah. self police. It's all self policing yeah, and right. how, yeah. Now I am a harsher police man yeah. on myself than and I, I think any boss would be, but that's totally like personal style. And how do you, yeah. Um, how much self-accountability can you impose right. on yourself? And um, and if you but, don't, and if you don't, your business isn't going to be eight figures. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, no, I, you know, it, it's not going. You're not going to grow the business if you don't work hard. You're not going to grow the business, but you, but you want to be able to work hard under your own terms. Yeah, yeah, and and just the knowledge, whether or not you like, I work more hours now than I ever have, but just the knowledge that I'm doing it because. I want to do it. And like, exactly. there is, I'm yes. the, my yes. own boss, like just that like factor is it's so awesome. It makes it's all awesome. the difference. It's yeah. such an awesome feeling, isn't it? I, yes. Couldn't agree more. It's a special thing that I hope to never have to give up. I always tell my wife who she can hear me talking, by the way, she's right over there. I always tell her, I'm like, you know, if I ever have to go get another regular job, I, I might just, I don't know, shoot myself in the head and, put it into it <laughs> uh, well i haven't taken it that far but i, I hear what you're saying oh man it's hard to go back once you get once yes. you get a taste of it it's like how could you go back i mean i don't know how that. i man i have nightmares about it sometimes i'm like oh god please no oh <laughs> uh, so the plan is to eventually uh, are you targeting uh you're not targeting a sale at this time you're still in, are, are you still raising cash are you targeting a sale where are you at in the life cycle um right now 
so consumer goods are, is a weird space. Like you have to get, so if you're a software company and you get to 10 million in sales, there's going to be a lot of buyers okay. lining up at your door. That's okay. really not the case at, in consumer goods. Like you have to get to 20, 30, mm, mm. some, for some really, really massive buyers, they'll want you to get to hundred million in sales okay. Okay. Uh, before they want to buy you. And so it's, you have to get con fairly big um, before you, you even can sell. So, you know, our goal is to get to 25 to 30 million in sales next year. Okay. Fairly audacious goal. We'll see if All we right. do it. I think we will. Um, and every year, I think just as like a healthy hygiene practice, every year we sit down and say, could we sell the business? Like today, if we wanted to, could we? Oh, you, should, you could if you wanted to. Um, yeah, and you always can, right? Yeah. But could yeah. we like on terms we would be comfortable with? Mm -hmm. um, and that answer is either yes or no. But it, by going through that exercise, it's sort of, right sizes things and um it's just a healthy exercise i think um and then also like you know be be open like don't get so rigid around like this is a five-year deal and right yeah because you're just gonna get first of all it's not gonna be right your timeline <laughs> won't be right yeah. no the market <laughs> might be not where you thought it was gonna be in five years right like a lot of people who yeah. started a business five years ago today they're like oh shit like we're in a recession, um, capital yeah. is a lot more expensive, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So I don't over plan like years Indeed. in advance, but Great um, tip. Great tip. the goal would be like, you know, the goal would be to sell the business, but I don't know to who, I don't know when. Um, and so okay, we have to be able to stand alone on, on our own independently and keep growing. Um, and if a sale happens, it happens. You will be a lifetime entrepreneur after this, I think. I feel it in my bones. So when you do sell in a few years, then you'll probably, let's see, what will Will do? He'll probably travel a little bit, do some do some world traveling because he enjoyed that experience back in, you know, between high school and college. And you'll probably do some of that. And then you'll get bored and then you'll come up with another idea and then you'll start another company. <laughs> probably. I'll probably think of the idea while I'm traveling. On the, yes, on the airplane. I see it. I see it. I can see it. Yeah, for sure. Congratulations, man, on everything you have done. It's a cool brand. I love. I mean, Thank you. genius name. Uh, you know, literally. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the IQ bar. The name. I don't know how you came up with the name. We, we forgot to get into that. But uh, I mean, just the name itself uh, is, is is perfect. I mean, it's great. Uh, the marketing's good. By the way, your LinkedIn presence, your social media presence individually as a person and as an executive is really good matter of fact I, th I think my wife is the one that saw your profile she can hear me talking didn't you see will's profile and you're like hey we need to get this guy on the podcast that's what i thought <laughs> so uh anyway man congrats uh honored to know you super glad to be connected um and appreciate you sharing your story on the rider flex show H happy to yeah let's do it again sometime